Chris Wendelkin, and this is On the Line, the NBA Deep Dive Pod. I hope you're doing well. If you're new to the show, you can check out previous episodes on our website, onthelinepodcast.com. Uh, check out uh, an old deep dive. Check out old previous drafts. All the episodes are up there. Um, and last, if you could please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the show and Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. I greatly appreciate it. All right, we're back. Hope you guys are well. We are picking up today where we left off with the uh, deep dive of Arvidas Sabonis. This is chapter two. If you missed part one, no worries. You can just hit pause, listen to last week's episode, and this one will be here waiting for you whenever you're uh, caught up and ready. All right, so we left off in 1985. The injuries are now beginning to pile up for Arvidas Sabonis. The Soviet sports machine is literally running this guy into the ground with no regard for his his health, his well-being, his future, his anything. His feet, his knees, his Achilles, they're all failing him. But compounding the issue is the ineptitude of the medical system in Moscow. And frankly, this is this is a metaphor for Soviet culture at large. Everyone and everything is disposable. All that matters is now. There are only short-term goals. There are only short-term gains. There is no future. There is no tomorrow. All that matters is now. However, the sacrifices of Sabonis and Lithuania, though steep, would not go in vain. Let's jump back into it. Here it is. This is Arvidas Sabonis, Chapter 2. Should we... Should we jump into the the injury stuff? Yes, yeah. absolutely. That 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 okay. is the the topic of our next year, nineteen eighty six. So nineteen eighty six, uh, Sabonis um, in the middle of a practice ruptures his Achilles tendon. Uh, he basically goes up for a rebound. He said he just grabbed a rebound. Everyone ran down the court, and all of a sudden, it felt like someone just kicked him in the back of the leg and he turned right. around and no one was standing there and then all of a sudden he felt a sharp shooting pain in his leg and that was it and- however i sorry to to interrupt yep. here chris but i'm gonna um i'm gonna interject a little bit here because this is where it gets very fuzzy for me mm-hmm. but there are actually multiple achilles injuries right. um and i believe um so i like the like fucking like vast majority of my research was spent trying to pin down the exact timeline of these injuries um because i not just like for purely like pedantic reasons but like i i think it's really important in in figuring out like what happened to this guy um and like sort of you know how things went wrong for him um so i believe the in 86 so like the really really bad injury um, happens in so my understanding, uh, as as close to accurate as I can get it, is that in '86 he has a not a full rupture, but like a, a strain or a partial tear right. um, of his um, of his uh, 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 his left Achilles tendon, mm-hmm. and then it's in '87. Yeah, in '87, it's when is when he has the really, really uh, bad full rupture of his right Achilles, and that's the one at practice. Uh, yes, okay. um, the one at eight in '86, I think, may also have been at practice. It's I'm not entirely clear. Yeah, but that's on- honestly, it's actually pretty fitting that we're lacking clarity on these details because, to be totally honest, this was actually like 
part of the strategy with the USSR is like a lack of accountability. So if there, yeah. if there aren't lack of accountability, lack of transparency, yeah, if there aren't details, if there, if there are, if there isn't like a clear map and record of what happened, no one can really pinpoint blame on it. Yes, that is very much on brand so, <laughs> for the Soviet Union. So our lack of clarity on this podcast is actually pretty much a mirror of what was going on in the Soviet Union, right? And their, yeah. their records, which is like, yeah, basically what you need to know is he had several Achilles injuries over the course of like a two to three year period. Um, there was definitely yeah. at least one or two full ruptures. There were a couple partial tears in uh, August of 1987. Sabonis is operated on by surgeons who receive instructions from Moscow on how to perform the operation, chock full with sketches <laughs> and instructions. Yeah. Um, in, the, in in this film that you and I both watched, doctors openly talk about like literally being nervous. Uh, you know, they're obviously pretty clear that they had never, they, they didn't yeah. have much experience no. with this sort of treatment before. They, ha- they had no fucking clue what they were doing. They had never performed surgeries like this um, on anyone, let alone, like, the major premier athlete in the entire fucking country. What's remarkable is in the, what's remarkable is in the uh, the other Dream Team, the documentary that we both watched, is, like, you, they they have footage inside the inside the operating room of Sabonis yeah. like under the knife. And I think that might actually be in the other doc, oh, the, the, other doc. The, the one that like, on Vimeo. Okay. Yeah, it's just called Sabonis. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> Which we should mention. There's also an awesome documentary just called Sabonis on uh, on Vimeo that I think you can rent for like four bucks or something right. like that. Um, but it's also very very good. But and incredibly, they have footage of him in in surgery on the operating table, and like you, yeah. you, see, you see these doctors like holding scalpels, like all just kind of like looking at each other and kind of shrugging and like, all right, I guess we're. It's just sp- like grainy footage. It looks like it could be from like this thing and tie this yeah. to that. I don't know. And it literally looks like it could be from like the 1950s. It looks like so yeah, um, archaic. Like yeah, and just like. You know, it, 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 like, fills me with dread to even, like, look at that uh, yeah. footage because you're just like, oh, God, like, they just, like, he was just not, like, uh, it's just, like, so... It was so um, botched. It was just poorly handled. Um, yeah. So, needless to say, in, in 87, he has surgery. August of 87, he has surgery. The surgery fails three months into rehab. He ruptures the the tendon again. I believe, if I remember correctly, Ben, wasn't it like he was walking up or down a set of stairs and just like lost his balance. He didn't even fall down the stairs or anything. He literally just like, you know, just like took a weird step. And then all of a sudden that was it. He said it just like popped. You could feel it again. And right. So, so his first, so his first major rupture, uh, of his, of his Achilles. Um, and again, there was a, there was definitely an Achilles injury of some kind earlier in 86. Right. Um, and that was again, yeah. Like we're talking about, um, you know, playing, um, uh, you know, nonstop for his club team. And now I believe the the Soviet Premier League schedule is like roughly the same as like a like a college schedule, like October to March or April mm. or something like that. Um, so he's playing these games and then just like not having any off season because he's going straight from his club games to his national team games and just playing, you know, in, in every single tournament. And, um, and obviously, you know, Russia is is determined or, you know, the Soviet Union is determined to, you know, prove their their dominance and their greatness on the world stage. So, um, you know, there's there's certainly like uh, back then, like not too much concern for uh, for an athlete's like uh, health or, or like load management. 
um, there was a story in um, like one of the most chilling accounts um, from the other Dream Team doc um, was about um, Sabonis getting shot up with painkillers yep. pre- uh, prior to the uh, I believe right? it was the 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 no the eighty six. Uh, so this is back in eighty six. Okay. This is his his first Achilles injury. Right. Um, yeah, they were literally just injecting his Achilles with painkillers for two hours yeah. straight so he could make it through a game against Argentina. Exactly. Um, not against Argentina, sorry. This is in Argentina oh, okay. for the FIBA right, right. Club World Cup, right. um, which, again, is not the FIBA World Championships. It's the Club World Cup, so it's uh, the club team. So Zalgiris is playing against teams like you know Real Madrid and, um, and, and whatever. Um, but they're in the championship game, um, uh, at this point, um, uh, uh, Sabonis has like I guess it's like um, like the Achilles has like you know multiple tendons, so you can basically like like tear like half of the Achilles, and it's still like technically just like a strain. So I think that's what happened to him. Um, and instead of like you know looking at him and like uh, operating on him or resting him, they literally just shoot his foot up with painkillers yeah. for two straight hours. Um, they just like uh, numb the they just like numb the ligament and like all right, you're good to go. You won't be able to feel the pain when it rips. Yeah. Um, so one of the uh, quotes I want to read it because it's like yeah. so crazy. I think I know the um, quote. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So Remus Curtinitis, who's another Lithuanian uh, on a uh, uh, teammate of uh, of Sabonis's on on Zalgiris, says, "Quote that entire medical system of ours in the Soviet Union didn't know what you were supposed to do, because for things like Achilles pain, they would just give us a shot where it hurt and you'd keep playing. We did the same thing to Arvidas when we played in Argentina." Um, that's for the, uh, the the FIBA Club World Cup. Uh, in the final, when we play for the Jones Cup, which is another name for the Club World Cup, um, uh, when they pumped painkillers right into Arvidas's Achilles for two hours. When the painkillers stopped working, we carried Arvidas to the plane because he couldn't walk anymore. Um, yeah, incredible. Uh, Zal- Zalgiris goes on to win that game and win the tournament, by the way. Um, so that's the kind of shit that they were doing. Like They were just like, we have to win... We don't really know what's going on with your ankle. We're not really, you know, medical professionals. So we'll just give you some painkillers and and throw you out there. Um, so uh, so then, yeah, getting back to 1987, uh, when he has the the much more severe rupture. Um, so that's during a, a national team practice uh, with the USSR for uh, EuroBasket '87. Um, and uh, that's when, yeah, you, as you described, he comes down for a rebound. Um, you know, the thing completely tears. Um, so then, yeah, he's operated on, they don't know what they're doing. They're literally getting handwritten, uh, fucking diagrams from Moscow because he's operated on, uh, in, back in Lithuania in, in Vilnius, um, instead of Moscow for some reason, because like the doctor in Moscow, like didn't want to see him. Um, do you remember that yes. from the doc where yeah. like, there's like some, um, yeah, he's like sitting in, in Moscow for like over an entire weekend, just like waiting, um, which is like the one thing you're not supposed to do when you like tear an Achilles. That's right. <laughs> um, so then they send him back to Lithuania for his surgery. Um, a, a doctor named Castutis uh, Vitkus, um, who will later accompany him to America. Um, but uh, anyway, so so he has surgery, and then three months later, I think the surgery is in. Um, it's either in May or June of '87, and then in August of '87. So, like, less than three months after his initial surgery, uh, he's walking up some stairs. Um, there are, again, varying accounts of, like, exactly what happened here. Uh, some people claim that he was, like, 
partying and was drunk uh, when he fell. Uh, other people say that he was like running up to uh, answer a telephone, a ringing telephone. Um, but bottom line is he falls on some stairs, completely uh, re-ruptures the same Achilles. Um, but it's like even worse now. Um, and so it's just like at that point, they don't even know if he's going to like walk right again. Um, like let alone play basketball. Um, and so, so yeah, that's what happens, uh, sort of summer of 1987. Um, now do we, if we want to go back, uh, just to go over some of the other things that are happening. So what else is happening at that time? In 86, um, Prior to the more severe um, Achilles injury, um, Zalgiris wins the USSR Premier League for the second consecutive year, um, and uh, they also compete in the EuroLeague Finals. Um, I believe they came in second in the EuroLeague Finals uh, in, in 86. Um, and then uh, the USSR also competes in the 1986 FIBA World Championships, um, where they win silver. They lost a close game to the USA. Um, and I think by, by then, um, Sabonis had, had, uh, had the partial tear of the Achilles, so he's like not playing at 100% um, uh, in the 86 FIBA World Championships. Um, but they do win gold, as I said, at the club, at the FIBA club championships in Argentina. That's the ankle injection game. Um, so he's still basically just playing through all this pain and still, um, you know, succeeding at a, at a really high level. Um, and then the 1986 draft rolls around. And as you remember, he, uh, the draft pick by the Atlanta Hawks from 85 was voided. So Sabonis is free to be drafted um, in the 1986 draft by the Portland Trailblazers, um, which is, uh, of course, a very important moment in our story here. So it's uh, Harry Glickman is the is the general manager right. of the Trailblazers at the time, um, and this guy named Bucky Buckwalter is the scout um, who uh, who first sees Sabonis play. Now Buckwalter was like one of the um, kind of like on the uh, um, uh, uh, kind of avant-garde of, of international scouting at the time. Like really no one did much of that in the NBA, um, which is crazy to think about, you know, not that long ago. Um, people like the NBA just like wasn't even really considering like international players. <laughs> but anyway, Bucky Buckwalter does. He goes and scouts the bonus um, and uh, I guess uh, sees him play in some, in some of these international competitions um, and is like, this dude's legit. Um, and so the trailblazers select him with the final pick in the first round. Um, and, uh, I love the way that, uh, David Stern, uh, announces, he says, quote, for the last pick of the first round of the NBA draft, America's game, the Portland (laughs) trailblazers select Arvidas Sabonis of the Soviet Union. Oh, well, now that's going to be an interesting selection. Good night, nurse. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Well, I can't spell it. I can't pronounce it. The Portland Trailblazers select Arvidas Sabonis of the Soviet Union. Now, he doesn't say Lithuania. He says Arvidas Sabonis of the Soviet Union, which, of course, elicits you know, a, a round of booze from the crowd because they're like, oh my God, like yeah. we're drafting a Traitor. fucking commie. Yeah we're, yeah, we're drafting some 
you know, pinko bastard from the fucking, uh, you know, uh, evil empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, I don't know if you watched the, the video of that, but um, yep. my favorite reaction was John Thompson, uh, uh, the, the coach, the Georgetown coach, um, who also happened to be the coach of the USA national team. Uh, heading into the 88 Olympics. Um, but he has this look, he like affects this, this, like this face where he like looks like totally like dumbfounded and like, and like staring, uh, like into space and then like shakes his face like a, like a fucking like cartoon, um, and like puts his hands on his head. Like he's just like completely shocked and like, and like horrified, um, at the, at the idea that, um, that, that, uh, you know, a national basketball association team would select a, a foreign player, uh, meanwhile, at the time, uh, you know, the, the best big men in the game uh, are like Patrick Ewing of Jamaica and Akeem Olajuwon of Nigeria. So um, I have a feeling um, there may have, may have been some, um, you know, some Cold War bias uh, going on there. But uh, anyway, so the Blazers select him. Um, Sabonis uh, doesn't even find out about this until weeks later when he's like reading some magazine in Lithuania. That's right. And it's like, oh, the Portland Trail Blazers picked me in a draft. Okay. Because it's so completely out of the realm of possibility, um, he he knows at that point um, for him to ever leave um, the Soviet Union, um, it's just not like it's not done. It's, it was impossible, um, you know. By now, it's eighty six. Gorbachev um, is is in power as um, as the leader there, and things are like starting to open up, just like ever so slightly. Um, but still, it's like you know. Nowhere, nowhere near um, cl- close to the idea of being able to just like leave and and take your family and and basically it would be like defecting from um, from the USSR, which would mean either like death or imprisonment or you know pers- like your you know your family and your friends would be at, at great risk. Um, at the time, you know, Sabonis, along with all of the um, national team members, are regularly being uh, watched and followed by the KGB. Like as they, you know, whenever they travel for like international tournaments, yeah, like they literally they're on the just plane. the KGB are on the plane flying. Yeah, with these the, guys. The, the KGB are just like hanging out outside their hotel room, just like making sure they like literally like don't leave the room. Um, and so yeah, that was the kind of environment that he was that he was living in. Um, so it was never even like a thought in his mind at that point in, in 1986. Um, but Portland decides to, you know, throw the dice and, and, uh, and, and take a gamble and see to, to see what they can, um, what they can swing. Um, cause they know what kind of talent he is at that point. Um, so then, yeah. So then we talked about his, his Achilles injuries, which, um, you know, again, we can't overstate like how bad it was to, <laughs> to 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 try to you know surgically repair an Achilles and then just destroy it um like just a few months a couple months later um all over again yeah we should also say like there there's there's a I don't want to say they gave up on the guy but like there was a point at which they the doctors were just kind of shrugging their shoulders you know what I yeah, mean yeah totally so we talked about like, yeah, right. His, so the, the Achilles injuries just being like kind of nightmarish and just like he, he's, he's like just dogged by these injuries. They can't really get it right. And he's drafted by the Trailblazers. And in, uh, in one of the films that we watched, someone is quoted as saying is like, you know, there's this principle in, in the USSR, you know, this image of like the old worn out horses that, you know, they're brought out back right. and shot. They're forgotten. 
And there was a sense of like that was hap- that was what was happening a bit with Sabonis was like they basically gave up on the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they they no one no one thought that he would ever regain his form. Uh, unfortunately, they just they just sort of used him up. And once he he hurt himself, that was it. And so at that point, after he's drafted by the Trailblazers, now it's uh, you know I guess 1988. You know, while we're on the the topic of his health, um, Sabonis actually comes to the U.S. and begins working a bit with the Portland medical staff, right, to sort of right. to sort of rehabilitate and work on the surger on the surgically repaired Achilles tendon. Right, because his his rehab was going so slowly. Because basically, the the doctors back in in Lithuania and the Soviet Union just didn't know what the fuck to do. Like they didn't have either the, uh, the experience or the, um, the medical equipment. They just didn't have as advanced technology um, to, to deal with the injury. Um, I read one article uh, in the Washington Post that said um, that uh, this doctor, Dr. Vitkus, um, when he came in to uh, repair the injury the second time, he said he put pins inside Sabonis's foot Jesus. to pull the tendon back into place, and for a while, the pins actually were sticking out of the bottom of his heel. Ugh. Um, so yeah, like that's what we're dealing with, and um, and yeah, the rehabilitation is going slowly and poorly, and at a certain point, um, you know, the Soviet sports officials realize like, okay, if we have any hope, because the thing is that um, what's coming up uh, right around the corner is the 1988 Olympics right. in Seoul. And so while I think in under other circumstances, you're right, they probably would have done that thing where they just say, oh, whatever, he's a, an injured horse, let's you know put him out behind the barn and shoot him. They realized that if they had any hope at all of, of competing at a high level in the 88 Olympics, they needed this guy. Um, uh, you know, he was, he was like just the, you know, I mean, it's basically like uh, having... You know Shaquille O'Neal on your team um, in like you know the the early two thousands and being like oh maybe we can try to win a championship without him and it's like no uh, so so they're so desperate that they decide to let him go to America um, which I I like love how this all worked out um, so kind of like uh, like perfectly because. Again, like Sabonis is this is this pawn is just like this pawn um, in between uh, the Soviet Union on one side, who are desperate to get him um, ready for the '88 Olympics, and then on the other side, the Portland Trailblazers and the NBA are desperate to lure him to America. Um, so the and the neither, Blazers neither say of those things can happen if he's not healthy. Like <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so these two superpowers, who you know are ostensibly like mortal enemies, and um, mm-hmm. and you know there was a lot of consternation at the time about uh, about Portland, you know, helping the enemy and like you know uh, aiding uh, and abetting, you know, the 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 um, the the you know evil team that we're going to be competing against in 1988 um and it's the soviet union of all places um but at the same time the portland trailblazers were just looking out for their own self-interest and saying hey if we can get this guy over here show him the good life in portland in america you know wine and dine him and give him all kinds of like fancy cars 
um, then maybe that'll that'll help us, uh, you know, finally get our hands on him um, to 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 play for our team. And the Soviet Union is like, you know what? We're so desperate uh, for this guy to be healthy that yeah, we'll actually lend him out and we'll and we'll allow him. Um, which at the time, again, like no no player in the Soviet Union had had ever gone over to America um, for for any extended period of time. Um, so so yeah, so 1988. Uh, this was like the summer. Yeah, spring of 88. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes over. He brings his Lithuanian doctor uh, with him. Um, and he hangs out in Portland for four months. Um, and his rehab is, you know, ramped up and, uh, they have all the, you know, uh, the finest equipment and all the state of the art technology they, they, um, can use and all sorts of trainers and staff, you know, working on him, um, giving him all the attention, um, that, that he, that he needs in order to actually recover from this injury. Um, and uh, there's a, there's a few um, fun little like uh, tidbits about uh, about his time here uh, in America. You mentioned the the fruit thing, yes. how he was like crazy for bananas. So in uh, in 1988 in Sports Illustrated, uh, Rick Riley wrote this article, um, and he says that uh, um, uh, Sabonis and, and his and his doctor uh, Vitkus um, enjoyed many luxuries, uh, courtesy of the Trailblazers. Um, the luxuries include a plush Jeep Eagle Premier, a high-rise apartment with king-size beds, a VCR, and remote-controlled TV. Um, and then the doctor says, he is constantly bok, bok, bok with that little box, laments the doctor, and I must translate each small bit. And then it says, his favorite movie so far... Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. ...is Top Gun. <laughs> Uh, which I uh, I found very uh, very endearing um, because obviously Top Gun's a fantastic movie. Um, so so yeah, basically Simonis is just like hanging out, yep. um, living living the high life in Portland. Um, at the same time, um, you know his uh, his recovery isn't exactly like you know boom done like everything is uh, all peachy. Oh no, hardly. Um, yeah, yeah. At, at one point. Um, this other article from the Washington Post um, quotes uh, from from his doctor uh, in, in, in 1988. It says, uh, Vitkus, meanwhile, said he has no record of Sabonis' medical history. Uh, so keep in mind, this guy has had, you know, two surgeries now um, and, you know, a history of, of injuries. You know, we talked about the, the partial tear or the strain or whatever the hell it was uh, in, in 86. Um, but his doctor that he went to America with has no records whatsoever, no medical records. Um, and it says, uh, from this article, at some point Sabonis, quote, received injections in his ankles, Vitkus said, quote, what kind and where? Nobody knows. Was it, was it, was it cortisone? Quote, no one knows. Um, so... Again, it's just like, it's the fucking dark ages. Like, yeah, they were um, just guinea pigs. They were like literal lab rats. Uh, yeah. athletes just um, being injected with needles. Yeah, uh, it's really, really uh, crazy. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's sort of a cliche, like, to talk about how, like, prehistoric, you know, communist Russia was. But, um, you know, in, in a case like this, it's like, kind of holds true. Uh, why don't we move forward into the 88... 88- Olympics. Yeah, 88 Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Um so basically they get Sabonis. Uh Sabonis manages to suit up for the 88 Olympics basically right. against every bit of medical advice. Basically like yeah. when I say they get him to suit up, they they 
they get him to like limp up and down the court for like I, I don't even know how many minutes he played a game, but like he, was he coming off the bench at that point? Uh, no. So in Jesus, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He they they like fucking ran him out there. Um, and as you said, completely against uh the recommendation of the Trailblazers medical staff. Um, the uh, the Blazers team physician Robert Cook. Um recommended that he would be able to play within a six-month period in June of 1988. Um, and the Olympics happened in September of 1988. So that was a, literally three months. <laughs> um, and yeah, he said, um, uh, you know, they're not ready. Um, they did not pronounce him fit to play. Um, however, after a consultation with Soviet specialists uh-huh. uh, back home, uh, lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, he was uh he was all good. Uh he was totally totally fine um uh fit for play. Um and now it's also a little unclear I will say um you know there there are it's weird there are shades of uh, I, I I kept thinking about Kevin Durant um throughout I, this period. I wrote down the same thing. I mean Sabo yeah. said this thing where he, he said uh you stop thinking about your safety. You stop mm-hmm. thinking about your tendons and it it there i i know exactly what you mean like it it does feel like a little tragic to be like god this you needed someone to intervene and tell this tell this guy this is not safe what you're doing and yet right. at the same time he felt this sense of like duty this sense of like i need to do this thing for my teammates Ibaka trying to stay with durant knocks it away and durant slipping durant goes down holding his leg Ibaka goes up and is fouled down the other end and Durant grabbing that right leg. Right, right. Yeah, cl- clearly, you know, the Soviet Union was was um, was urging him, and who knows, perhaps forcing him um, to play. But at the same time, you know that something inside Sabonis was like, this might be my only shot. Because, of course, remember, he didn't play in 1984 yep. because the Soviet Union boycotted um, those Olympics. So he was thinking to himself, this might be my only shot. I've done everything else. I've won every other fucking tournament that there is in Europe and, and also, you know, around the world. There are a couple um, things at play here, too. One of which is that the coach of the USSR team, Gamelski. Gamelski, right. So yeah, Gamel- Alexander Gamelski. Gamelski promises to help the guys on the 88 Olympic team for the USSR right. that he'll get them a chance to play abroad in the States and in the NBA if they win the gold, right? Yes, so that is another key, key point. Gramelski is dangling this carrot. That's one thing. Yeah. Another thing here is also like uh, the USSR team is predominantly made up of Lithuanian guys. So Yeah, Four of the five starters right. for the it's, USSR these, are not, in fact, Russian. Most of these guys they are, are Lithuanian. Not Russian, right? They're Lithuanians. So Correct. there is a sense of national, not even national pride, but just like a, a sense of, of responsibility to your, like your fellow countrymen and your fellow Lithuanians um, to be there with them, you know, in the Olympic Games. So um, there are all these like, just all these things being dangled in front of yeah. in front of Sabonis. So many layers. Uh, that are just totally like conflicts of interest as it relates to his health. And mm-hmm. um, so but but they trot him out there, he limps up and down the court, and uh, we should talk about the eighty eight Olympics, Ben. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, quoting from a, an SI article in 1988, uh, it says, uh, Sabonis complained privately in Seoul. Uh, Seoul, of, co- of course, is where the Olympics were, were being held in 88. Uh, Sabonis complained privately in Seoul that he was still experiencing a lot of pain. 
Um, and then from a New York Times article in 88, quote, there have been rumors that Soviet officials told Sabonis that if he wanted to play for Portland, he would have to first play for the national team. Um, so these were things that were like, you know, well known and well documented. But so he goes out there. On, Basically, these uh, guys are like coerced into doing things against their own will, right? Yeah. And there's so yeah. many examples of this over the course of like, uh, of athletes in the USSR, be it, uh, do, do you remember that story about uh, Sharunas Marshallonis when he mm-hmm. won uh, USSR Athlete of the Year? There's this really crazy story where he wins a Soviet athlete of the year. They ask him to give a speech for these children, like kind of lauding and touting the merits of the USSR. And he looked at the speech. They wrote out a speech for him. Government officials wrote out this speech. Yeah. And he said, no, basically it was like, no, I'm not doing this. I don't believe this. I don't feel this way about this country. And they basically threatened him. They said they would, they would make life very difficult for him and his wife, that they... If he, if he didn't cooperate that like, you know, who knows what would happen. And eventually he fell in line and made the speech. And to this day, he said like, he regrets it. It's something like he was embarrassed about. And you, yeah. know, you see examples of this throughout the, the course of the life and career of these guys where they were like coerced into doing things against their own best interests. Yeah. So, so the 88 Olympics begin. Um, and as we said, the USSR team, um, has four of the five guys in the starting lineup. Uh, Sabonis, the aforementioned uh, Sharunis Marshallonis, uh, Remus Kurtnitis, and Valdemaris Komichis um, are all Lithuanian. Um, Komichis and Kurtnitis were also uh, teammates of Sabonis on the uh, Zalgiris uh, club team. And so basically this is a Lithuanian all-star team, you know, playing under the Soviet Union colors um, because that is the fucking empire that occupies them. Uh, They are awesome. They're really, really good. Um, They're all great, great players. And uh, they storm through the tournament. Um, They uh, reach the semifinal round uh, and they... um, find themselves matched up with, wouldn't you know it, the United States. It's a team that has tremendous balance and quickness, and they win on defense. Marley from Central Michigan, Manning of Kansas, Robinson of Navy, Mitch Richmond of Kansas State, and Charles Smith, the point guard from Georgetown. He'll return and lead the Hoya attack next year. Um, so David Robinson, who I believe at that time... Was that the uh, Naval Academy? At the Naval Academy, right. So he was like over... He was like 22 or 23 years old, but he wasn't yet in the NBA. Um, but so he's eligible. He had also played against Sabonis in the 86 uh, FIBA championship um, uh, that, the, that uh, the U.S. squeaked out against the USSR. So it's kind of a rematch of sorts um, so for those guys. A U.S. Yeah. A U.S. admiral versus like the Soviets. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, so um, crazy. So it's the admiral. It's like the WWF uh, couldn't have planned it out better. Oh my god, it's fucking Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik yeah. completely. Um, so it's the admiral uh, along with Danny Manning, Mitch Richmond. Um, yeah, man, Charles... I, got, I got nostalgic when I was when I was reading these names. Like, oh yeah, I love Dan, all these guys. Thunder Dan, we got a young yeah. Thunder Dan Marley, on the team. Right. Yeah, we got we got Charles Smith, a uh, future power forward for uh, New York Knicks. Yeah. Um, another Charles Smith, who was a point guard from uh, from Georgetown. Um, uh, we have we got Stacy Ogman, we got Bimbo Coles, oh my God. Um, uh, we have a, a Hersey Hawkins, although he was actually injured and did not play in that semifinal game. 
Um, but needless to say, oh yeah, Bimbo, J.R. Reed, Willie Anderson, these are all guys that played, that went on to play uh, pretty successfully in the NBA. So this is like a solid, solid uh, USA team. And the USSR goes up, um, and rem- remember now, Sabonis is playing on like 1.5 Achilles tendons, if that, and the USSR wins. They defeat the USA 82-76. to 76. Uh, Robinson has uh, 19 points and 12 rebounds. Sabonis chips in 13 points and 13 rebounds. Um, the USSR is really led by Kurt Nitus, who was an awesome uh, three-point shooter. That was the weird thing. I actually uh, went back and watched uh, some tape of that game. Mm. And it's wild to watch that game and be like, why don't you shoot a three? Shoot a three. Like, no, like there are just no three-pointers taken. Yeah. It's so crazy. It's such a different game. Five-point game. 3.17 to go. Kutnitis. Not there. And Smith is for the U.S. A critical trip down court. Smith can't hit it. And Sabonis has the rebound for the Soviets. Tietzak. Sock. They break the pressure, and here comes Marcellonis. Sabonis, and Curtin Itis is fouled as Coles had to cut in to save the easy basket. Four fouls on him. And of course, even, um, you know, the, the three point line is a little bit shorter in, in international play. But even with that, yeah, the, the USSR team um, does, does, you know, just uh, hits more outside shots. Curtin Itis has 28 points, Marcellonis has 19. And uh, USSR pulls away. It was kind of a close game throughout, and the USA just like never got over the hump. And then the USSR goes on to face Yugoslavia, um, which was led by uh, Drazen Petrovic and Vlade Divac, right. um, also including uh, Dino Raja and Tony Kukoc. Um, and they defeat the USSR. Or sorry, the USSR defeats Yugoslavia in the gold medal game and takes home gold in the 1988 uh, Olympics. Uh, Sabonis has uh, 20 and 15 with three blocks in the gold medal game against Yugoslavia, just totally dominant. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, sure enough, like with all the, the you know, different uh, motivations and, and um, you know, kind of com- competing things going on, um, you know, it, it all works out and, and it all pays off for the Soviet Union, they win gold um, uh, in the 88 Olympics in basketball, um, and it's just like a huge deal. The USA um, had never, I think they had, hadn't lost since um, the last time they played the Soviet Union in 72, which was of course that, you know, crazy controversial ending. So we'll have to speculate that it's all over. Wow, what a finish for you, being told the scoreboard is not correct and they are running the clock down as Hank Ivan comes to the bench to get the official count the horn has sounded but apparently they are going to move the clock back down to the three seconds well confusion reigns but the United States still they have that one point lead 50-49 as a result of two pressure packed Foul shots by Doug Collins of Illinois State. Now the clock shows three seconds. There is time for the Russians to go to their big man, Alexander Belov. They're going to try. 
between two American defenders. Back there with him, Jim Ford and McMillan, and the Russian team is mobbed. Alexander. But anyway, it was like a big upset, um, and um, so a couple of very, very significant things um, basically happened uh, as a direct result of uh, uh, of that USSR victory in 88, one of which is that, as we said, um, you know, Gamelsky and the Soviet sports officials were true to their word. And they, I mean, they didn't exactly say well, like, oh, you guys won gold, now it's all cool, you can go to the USA whenever you want. It was definitely a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, I should. It, but it, it was more like, uh, "Hey, if you win golds, you can try to go to the U.S. Like, we're not necessarily right. gonna make it. We won't we like won't imprison help, your family. We won't help you. We're not gonna like go out of our way and do you favors. But like, you right. can pursue it and let us know, and like, right. we'll try to work something out." Um, and also, like, right, we're not going to, like, make it totally clear whether or not you'll be safe. Like, you can maybe, like, give it a shot. But, like, at your also own maybe also maybe don't. Like, if you, like, care about your friends and family, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. It's up to you. Like, that was kind of like, yeah. it was like a wink, wink. Also, um, like, you have a target on your back. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, also, you may, you may be branded as, like, a traitor uh, to the communist cause right. and for the rest of your life. But, you know, whatever you want to do. Good luck to your family that stays behind. Yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, because of that, I mean, again, it's also very complicated because, um, of course, by now in the late 80s, um, the USSR is really starting to uh, fracture and, and, um, and, you know, some of it is sort of uh, intentional with like glasnost happening. Gorbachev in the United States for the first time had come to sign an historic treaty. His visit, seen live on Soviet TV, enhanced his standing at home and abroad. Here comes Gorbachev. He was wearing a good, well-cut Brooks Brothers suit and a tie. He was even had on a white shirt. Uh, he was outgoing. He was meeting people. He was joking. And he was getting along with people in Washington, D.C. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States and the General Secretary of the Central Committee of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. A Russian saying Reagan had learned from Suzanne Massey now seemed appropriate. Mr. General Secretary, though my pronunciation may give you difficulty, the maxim is dovayai no provayai. Trust but verify. <laughs> you repeat that at every meeting. At the same time, there's like a really serious independence movement movement happening uh, in Lithuania and in elsewhere in, in some of the um, sort of satellite Soviet states and the Baltic region. And um, uh, so, yeah, there's like all sorts of things that are starting to, to change and evolve. And um, we should say at this point, um, I don't have the exact date that it happened, but this is as Shrinus Marshallonis is transitioning from the Soviet Union to the States, right? So, right. So he is the, Marshallonis is the very first player to come over from um, the Soviet Union. To play with gold. Or State. a... Right, to play with Golden State. And there's a crazy uh, also backstory uh, with that and yes. uh, Donnie Nelson, yes. which we can like touch on briefly, but we don't have to get into. Yeah. But that's like a little bit later on when we get to like 92, we can talk about that more. I just want to plant the seed that Marshall Lunas is like one of the important figures 
in massive in what will eventually become a narrative relating to the Lithuanian national team. Yeah. And that yeah. getting sponsored and stuff. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, he is like the fucking man. I love him so yeah. much. Um, so cool. Um, so then the other thing that, that I would say is a pretty direct result of uh, the USSR winning the 88 Olympics is the fucking dream team happened. That's right. Barcelona! Barcelona! The roster for the United States of six Sullivan forward. Christian Leitner. A 7-1 center, David Robinson. A 7-foot center, Patrick Ewing. A 6-9 forward, Larry Bird. A 6-7 forward, Scotty Pippen. A 6-6 guard, Michael Jordan, a 6'7 guard, Clyde Drexler. A 6'9 forward, Carl Malone. A 6'1 guard, John Stockton. A 6'7 forward, Chris Mullins! A 6'6 forward, Charles Barkley! A 6'9 guard, Irvin Magic Johnson! So David Stern uh, has, has disputed this on the record. Um, he, he said in some like GQ oral history that like the notion that the NBA wanted to redeem the 88 loss was like wrong. Um, and that, um, you know, they, that they were just kind of like going along with whatever FIBA said, like I, I call bullshit on that. I'm pretty sure that the NBA, that, you know, I don't know who exactly they were the powers that be were like, all right, we can't let that happen ever again. We need to get some fucking NBA players on this team for the next uh, time we, we, we play in the Olympics. Um, and I mean, that's just like wild to me. Like the, the dream team, which is the greatest single basketball team that has ever been assembled. Is a response. Um, literally w- happened because of Arvidas Sabonis. Because right. make no mistake, there is no chance in hell that the Soviet Union wins the 88, 88 Olympic Games without Sabonis playing. Um, you know, he was absolutely instrumental you know, uh, like there's, there's just, it's an, it's impossible to imagine them, uh, beating the USA, let alone Yugoslavia, um, with, without his contributions. Um, so yeah, I mean, thank you, Arvidas Sabonis for making the dream team happen. Um, so, so yeah, so now we'll kind of move along to the late eighties. Um, and, uh, now at this point, Again, with the Olympics in the rear view, Sabonis is, uh, for the first time, starting to consider the possibility of playing outside of the Soviet Union. Um, and, of course, uh, Portland is, has been you know, in contact with them all this time. Uh, they've been you know, constantly trying to um, you know, lure him over. They offered him, uh, I, I read, they offered him like the biggest contract in the league at the time right. um, in like 1989. Um, it's a million dollars, but, right? 
Yeah, one million dollars. I think wasn't the story that like the sports associ- the like the Soviet sports association or something was going to take seven hundred thousand dollars of that, and so yep, we exactly. get Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the other thing with all these these negotiations that are going on. It's not just like, oh, are you allowed to travel? It's also like, oh, what kind of money are we talking here? Because whatever you get paid isn't going to go to you. It's going to go to you know the the Soviet uh, you know sports bureau. Um, and mind mind you, when I say Soviet sports bureau, um, <laughs> it's like six different departments. It's like so completely. Um, fucking, you know, Byzantine yeah. and convoluted and crazy. Um, there's, you know, there's there's Lithuanian associations. Um, there's, you know, there's there's like basically you're gonna be paying a lot of different people, basically. <laughs> yeah, there's there's Gamelski, his coach. Um, there's all the different. Yeah, there's like a, a Soviet sport, um, a, a Ministry of Sports and Culture. Um, there is. Uh, um, Let's see, there's also like Goscom Sport and Sovinter Sport, which are like uh, subsidiaries of the, of the ministry. Um, then there's like, uh, anyway, uh, we don't need to get into it all, but it's, it's obviously uh, just completely crazy and, and um, you know, bureaucratic um, to no end. And so anyway, that's what Sabonis is dealing with. Um, and on top of that, you know, he's still not healthy. He's... Um, He's, you know, ravaged by these Achilles injuries, and he's also developing, um, you know, like chronic knee injuries and arthritis and like tendonitis and basically every sort of uh, malady that you can develop um, uh, in in your like lower extremities. He's he's starting to um, to develop um, because again, like other than you know a, about a year i guess it was that he he was um uh, or maybe even like nine months that he wasn't playing after the second uh, achilles rupture the guy's just been going non-stop since he was you know 15 years old all right we're gonna hit pause right there hope you guys are enjoying the sabonis deep dive my name's chris wendelkin this is on the line you can tweet at me at on the line underscore pod find us on instagram check out previous episodes on our website on the line Please rate, review, subscribe to the show in Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Have a great off-season, and we'll talk to you next week.